Open the podcast bay door as hell. to episode 63 of Welcome to Geek Town. I'm your host, Kurt Onstead. I've been a proud geek all my life, being into role-playing games, board games, sci-fi, fantasy, and especially superheroes and comics. And I want to help others join me in those pursuits. But i found that sometimes people can get overwhelmed or feel left out because they don't already have what some consider to be the requisite knowledge in order to be considered a fan. And that's where Welcome to Geek Town comes in. Here, you can ask your questions without feeling like a gatekeeper is calling you out for not yet being fully versed in every aspect of your new interest. Before we get started, I've got to shout out this month's patrons. Aaron Borst, Matthew Saint, Carla Hoffman, Forrest Woodward, Lyndon Onstead, Utuk Zul, and Julio Herrera continue to help supporting the show, and as always, I say thank you. To everyone else, please consider joining them by pitching in just a dollar per month at Patreon to help me continue to make the show better. You'll also get access to full scripts and bloopers from past shows. Just go to patreon.com slash welcome to geek town to get a small sample of what you'll get by joining up. This week, we're following up on a subject covered a few months ago. Back in episode 51, I explained how we ended up with a Nick Fury in the regular Marvel comics that looks like Samuel L. Jackson. If you missed it, be sure to go back and take a listen. Listener Rob Garrison wanted to know what happened to the original Nick Fury. I hinted towards it at the end of that episode, but... Let's get into the nitty-gritty of the crossover that spilled Marvel's secrets. Original Sin. I'll be diving deep into spoilers on this one in order to give you Fury's current status quo, but I think this is the kind of story that can be enjoyed even knowing what twists it takes. So, unless you're super spoiler-phobic, you should be safe. Original Sin was an eight-issue-long storyline released in 2014, written by Jason Aaron and drawn by Mike Diodato. As with many big event stories from Marvel and DC, there are a few additional miniseries and tie-in issues that carry the Original Sin banner. However, few, if any, have any real bearing on the main plot, and so aren't really necessary to read unless you're a true completionist. A zero-issue prequel by Mark Wade and Jim Chung helped catch people up on who Watu the Watcher is. And in case you're also unfamiliar, let's get you up to speed. The Watchers are a race of nearly immortal beings who have tasked themselves with observing and recording as much of the known universe as possible. If you recall Stan Lee's cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 
where he's in space giving a rundown of his previous cameos, the beings he's speaking to are Watchers. Each Watcher is assigned a planet or system to observe, with a strict code of non-interference. Uatu is the Watcher that has been given Earth as his area of study, and is also the rare Watcher who will occasionally interfere if he feels it's important enough. Most notably in Fantastic Four number 48 through 50, when he helped the team prevent Galactus from consuming the Earth. We also learn in this Zero issue that Uwatu has an armory full of cosmic-level weaponry, although it's kept under tight lock and key. Now, how does the Watcher tie into the former World War II soldier-turned-super-spy known as Nick Fury? Well, you're about to find out. The first issue of Original Sin opens with Uwatu being murdered in his home on the moon, with his final words being, I see you. Eyes and sight are a theme running throughout the story. However, the readers do not see who the Watcher is talking to, setting up the story as a murder mystery. Upon discovering his corpse, which is missing both eyes, various superheroes begin investigating, following different leads. There's one official team leading the investigation, run by Nick Fury, who happened to be dining with some of the heroes when the news broke, and then there's another investigative team that is put together by a mysterious man only seen in shadows, with some interesting combinations as they split up into smaller groups, including Doctor Strange and the Punisher working together, and Emma Frost and Ant-Man paired up. The unofficial team discovers bodies of other cosmic-level creatures that have been killed over the years, with a common factor. Large gamma-irradiated bullets are the cause for all of these unusual deaths, including the Watchers. In the meantime, the official team have followed their own set of clues to the hidden lair of the Orb, a supervillain with a giant eye in place of his head, who stole one of Uatu's eyes from the crime scene, although he proclaims he is not the one who murdered the Watcher. When cornered, the orb is somehow able to make the Watcher's eye release a burst of energy. Apparently, Watcher's eyes function differently from ours, which makes sense since they're able to see all things happening at once on an entire planet. And when the eye explodes, metaphorically, it does survive the experience, all of the heroes in the immediate vicinity see a secret related to their past that had, up until this point, been hidden. The chaos that ensues allows the Orb's compatriots, Dr. Midas and Exterminatrix, to escape, although the Orb himself and the Eye are successfully captured by the heroes. The revelations that occur around this event are what motivate most of the tie-in comics. It's through these ancillary stories that we learn about the unknown history between Bruce Banner and Tony Stark. We also find out about Silk, 
the woman who was bitten by the same radioactive spider as Peter Parker. And the readers learn that Thor has a sister, who we eventually discover is the character named Angela, who has her own weird history, being one of the only characters currently in the Marvel Universe who was originally published by a different company. If you end up reading all of the original Sin stories, I recommend that most of the tie-ins should be read between issues 2 and 3 of the main series. Or you can wait until reading all of the main story, then mentally slot them in where they belong as you read those tie-ins. Meanwhile, one of the unofficial investigative team members, the Winter Soldier, ditches his compatriots and goes to where Nick Fury has been running the official investigation and is currently inspecting the Watcher's eye. Bucky shoots and decapitates Fury, taking his head and the Watcher's eye to the moon. The rest of the unofficial team also find their way to the moon, tracking either Bucky himself or the eye. A fight breaks out between the Winter Soldier and the rest of the group, which stops upon discovering that the Nick Fury that died was actually a life model decoy, or LMD, which, as you may remember from the last Nick Fury episode, are robots that can look and act identical to the person they resemble. Soon thereafter, the real Nick Fury reveals himself as the mysterious, unseen man who had assembled the team together, although this Nick is much older than any Nick Fury we have seen to date. What we learn over the next few issues is that Nick has been using LMDs for quite some time to perform his duties with S.H.I.E.L.D. and other related events, and that the true Nick Fury has been spending most of his time on the moon as the proverbial man on the wall. Starting back in 1958, Fury has been basically the lone gunman making sure that most extraterrestrial invasions fail to happen. Originally splitting his time between those duties and his more earthbound jobs, Nick has been spending more and more time as the man on the wall, letting LMDs take over for his work down on terra firma. Meanwhile, his infinity formula has been losing its potency, and so the World War II veteran is finally nearing the end of his days. He admits to the group he assembled that he gathered them not to discover the murderer of Uatu, but instead to discover his work so that Nick could find his replacement. There's much discussion over the right and wrong of what Fury has had to do in order to maintain the relative peace on Earth, and no one steps up to take Fury's place, even if some agree with his methods. Through various machinations, both the official team of investigating heroes and the escaped villains from earlier also make their way back to the Watcher's lair on the moon, and a melee ensues. Nick now has both of the Watcher's eyes, although he's not able to activate them as the orb did back in issue 2. He still has a number of secrets at his disposal, however, and while fighting, Nick whispers to Thor something that makes the Thunder God lose his worthiness, 
removing Thor's ability to wield Mjolnir. This led into the female Thor in the Marvel Universe, who we eventually learn is Jane Foster, having proved herself worthy of the Thunder God's powers. Nick is also able to sideline Iron Man with a secret override code that Tony thought only he knew, sending the Golden Avenger back to Earth. During the ensuing altercation, Fury admits to being the one who killed the Watcher, although he was not the attacker we saw in the opening of the series. Through flashbacks, we see that the Watcher was originally ambushed by the Orb, Dr. Midas, and Exterminatrix, who took him down and stole one eye, in addition to a number of items from the Watcher's armory. Nick discovered the one-eyed Watcher still alive and demanded to know who had stolen from Uwatu. While Uwatu did not reveal this, he did confront Fury about his activities as the Man on the Wall, and threatened Nick with cosmic blasts, forcing the spy to either kill or be killed. After all these revelations, Nick ends up sacrificing himself to prevent Dr. Midas from taking the last of the Watcher's life force, which would potentially power up the villain to a cosmic-level threat to the universe. Although Midas and Fury are both presumed dead as they are both within the Watcher's lair when it explodes, we see at the end of the series that Nick is now basically the new Watcher, having absorbed Uwatu's energy in the conflagration. The former spy is able to see throughout the cosmos, but has been metaphorically chained to the moon. He goes by the name The Unseen, and, as is fitting for his new moniker, has appeared on panel very little since then, most of his appearances coming in The Exiles Volume 3, a 12-issue long series published in 2018 and 2019. In the meantime, the Winter Soldier ended up taking Fury's place as the proverbial Man on the Wall. Although that tenure didn't last very long that we've seen, as Bucky returned to Earth in the 2016 Avengers Standoff storyline and hasn't been seen in space since. This may be one of those plot threads that is forgotten for a while until some writer decides to dust it off and either retcon the Earthbound Bucky as an LMD, similar to Fury, or to show what happens when there is no man on the wall protecting the Earth as Fury had all those decades. So, Rob, I hope that gives you an idea of what happened to Nick Fury Sr. I enjoyed rereading the series as research, and I recommend giving it a try if you enjoy cosmic tales of intrigue. I mentioned that most of the tie-ins should be read between issues 2 and 3 of the main series, the one exception to that is the miniseries titled Original Sins, as opposed to Original Sin, singular. I know, not at all confusing. The first four issues of that tie-in can be read between issues three and four of the main story, while the final issue should wait until you've at least finished issue six of the main series. Original Sins is an anthology, and some of the stories in it should not actually be considered canon, as they're very tongue-in-cheek, 
But the first story in the final issue is one that I do consider to be important to the story as a whole, or at least shows the motivations and thoughts of one of the main characters of Original Sin. Now, if this topic spawned any questions, or if you've had one sitting in your brain for a while but haven't sent it to me yet, please do so. You can send all questions and comments to me via email at welcome to geektown all spelled out at gmail.com or you can go to welcome to the number 2 in this case geektown.com and click submit a question if you'd prefer to remain anonymous other contact options include facebook.com/welcome to geektown or twitter at geektown podcast also if you'd like to support the show directly Come join the Patreon at patreon.com slash welcome to Geektown for just a dollar per month to get access to full scripts of the shows, outtakes, and a monthly shoutout. You can also help the show grow by subscribing and giving a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to join the Geektown City Council, which helps other people find the show so we can all tell them, Welcome to Geektown, Population, Us. Welcome to Geek Town is written, narrated, edited, and produced by me, Kurt Onstead. Theme music is by Aaron Lovitz, logo art by Archie Santana. All other sound clips are the copyrighted material that are respective owners, and no infringement is intended, falling under fair use. <laughs>